Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr B. This is season 24 for me and season 20 for Amanda. And this is day 24, the penultimate day of season 92. Question one just made me laugh and laugh (laughs) and laugh. Because you've been there. I have. When it was known as this, in point of fact. So... As have I. Have you? Yeah, that was oh, where we were right. stationed before oh, yeah. we went into Kosovo. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. We did not call it this, by the way, when we were there. Oh, okay. We simply called it Macedonia. Well, yes. Same here. Um, that it, you know, people don't call, like, people in the country don't call it this. That didn't, really. Yes. They, or didn't. Um, and also don't, mm-hmm. in fairness. Um but yes, this is, uh, uh, I don't know if there are other, um, if there were other former, um, USSR states or Czechoslovakia, Yugoslav states that were called this. No. Okay. So in other words. We haven't actually said what the question is. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I guess everyone listening to this knows. But it's yeah. asking for the five-letter abbreviation that North Macedonia used to be known as. Yes. Um, and the thing about it is, it was the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Yes. So it's F-Y-R-O-M. Firom. Yes. Yes. And it was called that because uh, <laughs> Greece gets prickly about... Mm-hmm. Uh, Macedonia. About Macedonia calling itself just Macedonia. Yes. Because Macedonia is an historically Greek territory, and they felt that this other country calling it that would lead to territorial issues, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And that is why it is now known as North Macedonia, because that, that essentially tells Greece, okay, we're North Macedonia. We're never going to claim your part of Macedonia. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it was... It's Phyrom. And I, I typed that in, and then it took me forever to remember what the hell the Y stood for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know it's the former Republic of Macedonia. What the hell did it used to be? The, oh, yeah, Yugoslavia. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. We both said Phyrom. Yes, and, and that was the correct answer. And it's, besides, like, Macedonia itself is especially important just because of Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants to claim him as yep. well. And so if you... It's it's kind of amusing as an American to fly into Skopje because what you fly into is Alexander the Great Airport. Sure. Um, which I like to say that way because there used to be <laughs> a place. Uh, <laughs> Alexander airport. the Great Airport. Because there used to be a, a restaurant in Livonia mm-hmm. called Alexander the Great Place for Ribs. Yes. <laughs> which along with El Nibble Nook is perhaps <laughs> my favorite restaurant name. Uh, of course, you know, Alexander the Great Place for Ribs doesn't exist anymore. No. So I no, probably should be the, exactly. uh, you know, former Alexander <laughs> the Great Place for Ribs, I guess. Fat Kapoor. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Um, so, yes, this this was a very uh, easy one. And, in a fact, I posted to Facebook literally yesterday or the day before Someone had asked a question in one of the Learned League groups about where's the most unusual place that you have submitted your answers Mm. for Learned League. And in fact, I had been playing it when I went to Macedonia for this uh, work trip that I went on several Mm -hmm. years ago. 
Um, and so I, you know, I posted that and said it at the time it was known as FYROM and, you know, I will never miss a Macedonia question at this point. <laughs> and lo and behold, here we are. Yep. Question two asks us what U.S. city was a movie set in in which Judy Garland first sang the trolley song and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. So the movie itself, um, which my own personal mother was a fan of, I believe, was Meet Me in St. Louis. And um, is I, I want to say um, there's uh, Easter Parade might be in here, too. Okay. Um, but anyway, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just know that this is Meet Me in St. Louis. And the fact that it's set in 1903 and 04 is indicative of the events that people were as we discussed earlier very mm -hmm. nostalgic for yep. um you know in the time when the movie was released which is you know 40 years later or so um and so we had quite an interesting discussion about that which i'll i'll let you <laughs> tee up um after you give your answer uh so i uh i i remember this mostly because of the year involved mm -hmm. 1904 uh, right. and less the movie uh, because in 1904, the Olympics were in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And there was also uh, a, a World's Fair or an Expo or one of those uh, that was kind of tied to the Olympics. And the Olympics were much less formal back then. And there were like art competitions involved. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there, there, there were like medalists who never got their medals because the events weren't really recognized. And they were just kind of oh. like some dude decided to have a race like <laughs> in the Olympics. And, and everybody was there was there was like no real IOC at that point. So everybody ah, was just right. like, cool, this is a race in the Olympics. And then like 80 years later, people were like, hey, my grandfather was in this race and he never got a medal. And the, the then IOC looked back and was like, yeah, we don't know what the, what you're talking about, but I guess there are newspaper reports about it. Okay. So it was a very weird thing. And it was like much larger in the cultural consciousness for the first half of the 20th century sure. than it is now. Like most people probably would not think that St. Louis had ever hosted an Olympics. Sure. Uh, because, of course, it was the first American city to do so. It was the first non-European city to do so. Ah. Um, yeah. So it was... Uh, and like I said, it, it was much less of a thing. Obviously, there was no television back then, mm -hmm, so it mm -hmm. wasn't. We I don't know that we even have any uh, film of it at all. Oh, there yeah. There are probably some probably pictures, not, yeah. but probably not many. Okay. But yeah, and so I, I just remembered that, and so I I figured, oh, okay, this is probably about St. Louis, and I I don't know whether I even kind of realized that it was Meet Me in St. Louis mm -hmm. until you had said it when we were discussing it earlier. Sure. Uh, but I was very certain that the answer to the actual question was St. Louis. And it was indeed. Yep. Now, we had quite a discussion <laughs> about this um, as we sometimes, you know, chat ahead of the podcast mm -hmm. about uh, our answers and how we got to them or what we missed and so on. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the nostalgia aspect mm -hmm. of this because this idea of it being like 40 years in the past kind of nostalgia mm -hmm. versus... When we were kids, you know, in the 80s, the nostalgia was like for the 50s and, and then, you know, sort of moving into the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a Much slightly shorter, more compressed yeah. time frame of nostalgia. And mm -hmm. now it seems like that's even accelerating. Mm -hmm. Like now people are nostalgic. Like we just watched um, Turning Red, which is set in 2002. Yeah. As though 
as though it's appropriate for that to be nostalgic right. about. Um, but, uh, you know, we, along the way, thought to ourselves, well, you know, there's not a lot of depression nostalgia. Yeah. I, I, that was one of the things that we didn't. Yeah, because I had noted that, like, in note. you know the 50s and 60s, people weren't, people probably weren't, like, thinking fondly of the 30s and 40s because of the Depression sure. and World War II. Right. Um, but then you pointed out that uh, Annie mm-hmm. was in that era, very firmly in the Depression era, yes. at least the musical and then the movie. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they were all very, uh, very tied to being in the 30s and maybe early 40s. Yeah, because that was a, a bit of, uh, you know, pop culture nostalgia mm-hmm. that was more in our, right. you know, childhood time frame as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, and so I decided, well, I was going to look this up on Wikipedia while we were, we were having this discussion while we were waiting for the school bus to arrive and our first grader to come home. And so I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia and I realize, oh, uh, the original Little Orphan Annie, the comic strip, started in the 1920s, in fact, like pre-depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started reading about the history of kind of some of the plot lines that came along. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a lot of them reflected the politics of the creator. Uh, right. August something. Gray, something August. I think Gray, Gray was yeah. the last name. And y'all, it, it, it is crazy. Oh, wow. Because you may remember, uh, you may know, you may have seen like the live Annie that was mm-hmm. just a few months back. You may have seen the, the Annie movie from uh, from the 80s. Or even on Broadway or, 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 yeah, or the play like or something like that in the intervening 40 years. Uh, and you may remember that FDR was kind of the deus ex machina of the movie. Yeah, it was kind of a, a hagiography yeah. of, of him in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And also, I will add to our discussion that we didn't mention, but the uh, cartoon Little Orphan Annie went on through the decades. Like, oh, yeah. well past, like it was in the newspapers at least through my 2010. childhood. There you go. It ended so, in 2010. Like 90-ish years almost mm-hmm. in in the funny papers so you know and and when we when it had gotten around to the era that the musicals and stuff were coming out it was pretty anodyne as i recall it was not political or it was not you know the way it was Mm -hmm. when it started yeah so so we we remind you of fdr's you know status in the movie and the play and such Mm -hmm. Mm uh to to let you know that in 1944, the writer of Little Orphan Annie killed off Daddy Warbucks mm-hmm. because FDR got renominated for a fourth term. <laughs> that was so horrible to him and therefore to Daddy Warbucks that mm-hmm. it killed him. Yeah. Da- but you say, you say, no, Daddy Warbucks was living in the strip after that. Yes, he came back to life. It got retconned that he was only in a coma. He came back to life in 1945, about April of 1945 specifically. <laughs> Wait, you're saying, I'm a learned league player. I'm pretty good at history, and I've, I seem to recall that something important happened in April 1945, but I can't think of what it was. What it was, dear listener, is FDR died. <laughs> and that was what brought Daddy Warbucks back to life. Yes, Finally, the world was righted yes. on its axis for and, him. And that's exactly what Daddy Warbuck said in the comic strip. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't say exactly, but that was, yeah. he was, he, he like came back to life and said, oh, I sense that things are better in the world now. Mm-hmm. 
So that yeah. was, yeah. So I kept reading and it kept getting weirder. Like this guy was, uh, I will say, an avowed anti-communist, the writer of Little Orphan Annie. Mm -hmm. And it was very reflected in the strip at the time. And oh, wow, we do was not it? Yeah. remember that. No. As the, it, the discussion ended as we arrived back at our at our home after the first grader arrived and got off the school bus and Amanda made the most appropriate and most perfect <laughs> joke that I think possibly she's ever made. And she just said, are we sure it wasn't little orphan Aini? Yeah. A-Y-N-I-E. Oh my God. As in Ayn Rand. And that is just, I, I encourage you to read the Wikipedia entry it is on little orphan wild. And wild, y'all. Just find out some of the stuff that was going on there. And we have talked about this for way too long. For, for, <laughs> a, for a thing that didn't even have anything to do with this question. We could hardly we are, talk about it long enough. We are four <laughs> steps away from where, from where this conversation started. Look, we're going to launch another podcast <laughs> in between seasons just dedicated to how bonkers Little Orphan Annie got in the Depression and World War II era. Yeah. Because she was basically like, oh, like... I, I got I to say this one. You know, there, during the war, they had Little Orphan Annie's Junior Commandos. Oh, because yeah. Because everybody was doing war effort stuff. And in the strip, one of the Junior Commandos was black. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the writer of Little Orphan Annie felt it necessary to come forth publicly and say, Look, y'all, I do not actually believe in the equality of the races. And I <laughs> he, he quite literally said that he still believed in segregation, but that... You know, he had a lot of black readers, and so he felt that there, that there they, had to be a soft. There had to be to like that, one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just. It's. So I guess their money was green, as it's as absolutely as amazing. It is now. Just absolutely amazing. Oh wow! It's yeah. Just that that Wikipedia article is is quite a roller coaster ride, <laughs> because I mean, and it, you know, again, contrasted with the image that we have yeah. Yeah. of Annie yeah. of the musical of you know. We'll get a new deal for Christmas this year. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah, they they got the the blunt end of a, a billy club from Annie in the <laughs> the thirties. So, uh, yeah, take that, orphans. Oh my gosh, okay, that's amazing. Everybody All right, <laughs> so take a breath. I'm just I'm just gonna take the timestamp here so I can tell people what which section <laughs> they can just skip the hell over because it's hilarious. But my God. <laughs> if you don't want your, your Annie nostalgia to be utterly broken, <laughs> um, just skip that section. Question three. Question three <laughs> asks us, uh, what is the common term for the binding substance in cement? In concrete, rather, because it's cement. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> the binding substance in concrete is cement. Yes, it is. Now, let's have a 10-minute digression about that. <laughs> I know this because of the TV show MASH. Of course. That's actually true. There was an episode where they laid down a new, uh, easier-to-clean-and-sterilize concrete ah. slab mm -hmm. under the operating room. And, oh, right. And Famously. The, and, and at the end of it, you know, they said, yeah. oh, you know, this is going to be great, and it's all thanks to, you know, uh, like you know, three parts sand and two parts cement. Mm -hmm. And somebody said... Uh, you mean two parts sand and three parts cement or whatever the health proportions were. Yeah. And he said, no, we did it this way. And it turned out that they'd done it all wrong. Ah. So yeah, that's, I just, 
I was probably eight years old when that episode aired and it mm-hmm. just always stuck, so to speak, in my mind that, you know, cement is the glue that makes concrete. And people get pushed into and, and kind of wrestle around in the cement, don't they? Wasn't that part I of the think, episode? I think that might be it, yeah. Because if that's pretty much the loaded gun on the wall. If you're going to put that in the episode... Wet cement? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No other reason for that to happen. Uh, but Which, as, as you as you all can tell, yes, I, I knew this too. I think <laughs> that I... I don't know whether I... Where exactly I got it from. Possibly from you. Possibly from my materials engineer sister. Um, <laughs> yeah. Possibly from a friend of ours who works in the actual cement or worked in the actual cement industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that time after I came back from Iraq where I was getting a lot of emails about cement because I had accidentally <laughs> like registered my civilian email address. To, we are going to do have the research. 10 minute digression. We really are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I know more about cement uh, <laughs> by accident yes. than... And most uh, I know people about, do all day. Know that I know about most things that I intentionally studied. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. So yeah, it was cement. Yes, anyway, we and we'll we back. both answered it's, that. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're recording this late, y'all. It's Friday. Oh my gosh, it's a long week. Question four tells us that in games like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, they are also called mm-hmm. TCGs. And what do those stand for? Spotting us the G for game. Yes, and notes that uh, a couple of other games, as well as Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. would qualify as this type of game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of flubbed this one personally. Mm-hmm. I, you know, our kids have played Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Our oldest son is may like much of the insulation in his room might be Pokemon cards. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that the C would be card mm-hmm. because these are all card games. But I really got it into my head that the T was because you play kind of a tournament-style battle. It, at least in my head, this is how it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't even occur to me um, to think of anything else for it. I thought, well, this is, you know, that that came to my mind and it seemed really appropriate. Like, it's a tournament card game. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I knew there were Magic the Gathering tournaments. I know there are Pokemon card-playing tournaments. Reasonable. Uh, I assume the same of Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and these other ones I don't recognize. Uh, but I, I put down tournament card game. Uh, yeah, I, I just know that, that it's trading card game. Yeah. And it's uh, that is different from a CCG or a collectible card game. Oh, sure. Uh, the primary difference is that um, according to like the official rules of Pokemon and Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and such... When you win a game against someone, they give you a card. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly like if they just like give you a random one, or they pick, or you pick, or whatever. I, I assume it's not you pick because then you just like grab the best one they have, and nobody'd ever mm-hmm. play. But yeah, that's the that's the intent there. And in CCGs, collectible card games, you don't do that. Okay. And then there's LCGs, which I think is living card game, and that's a little bit different too. But yeah, okay. it's it's trading card game. Okay. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the correct answer. Yep. Question five asks us the name of a Japanese martial art whose name translates to Way of the Sword. Man, I was so sure that this was Bushido, which I know is, was like the uh, the samurai honor code, kind of the chivalry right, right. of samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, I kind of thought like, oh, am I sure about that? And then I looked at the, okay, the bamboo swords are called Shinai. 
So I thought, thought okay, so that's that's the she in Bushido. Mm-hmm. And I figured like Doe was probably the way. Ah. So yeah, okay, that would be you know, the sword way or you know sword way or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'll go with Bushido. And that may actually be what it means. I mean, if it's the honor code of the samurai, it means way of the warrior. In fact. Oh, okay. That's I mean that's yeah. not horribly far off. No, no, it's close. To give yourself credit. But I was wrong. Um, for my part, I just when I read this and. Mind you, I barely read it because <laughs> I, you know, this is not a piece of knowledge that I have on hand. I just am, you know, barely equipped to make a good guess. Um, so I just, you know, kind of glossed over this and went, that sounds like Aikido. Um, I thought, you know, it's not karate because I know what that, you know, refers to. Uh-huh. It's not jujitsu because I know that's, you know, that those are both like hand-to-hand kind of um martial arts or or styles of combat or what have you so i thought i don't really know exactly what aikido refers to um maybe it's this way of the sword thing and surely it's going to be something that i have heard of or that is you know kind of in common parlance but you haven't like heard the derivation of it Mm -hmm. so you're just Mm -hmm. kind of putting that piece into place in your knowledge so I put down Aikido. Reasonable. No, Aikido is an unarmed martial art. I think primarily yeah, unarmed. Yeah, probably. It's what Steven Seagal does. Oh, sure. So, yeah. So it's very lazy person, uh, <laughs> martial art. Well. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer was Kendo. Ah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. As sure. soon as I saw it, I was like, I guess I've heard of that once. <laughs> and I Reasonable. will have to trust that, that Thorsten uh, researched it adequately. Mm-hmm. Yep. That it's actually the answer. Yep. Question six asks us, I mean, essentially, what's the blank in the Iran blank affair? Yeah, um, this is, you know, again, we as kids who grew up in the 80s could hardly escape knowing about the Iran-Contra scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if you had parents who put on NPR every so often, or um, which mine did not do every so often. They did it all the time, <laughs> like every day, including for just like the music portions of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. public radio and people you know kind of reading books on on the radio that kind of thing anyway uh yes i ran contra this was you know i put down contras because i figured that would be sufficient um because that's the name of the scandal Mm -hmm. so that's what i put down yep yeah this was uh, the the contras who were contra against the sandinistas Mm -hmm. right uh, in nicaragua and yeah, I I might still have a copy of Oliver North's testimony to Congress. You do, I in think. In book form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yep. It was a weird time, the eighties. So yeah, we Yeah. I yeah, I just said this is the Contras. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And the correct answer was the Contra Rebels. Yeah. I don't know that I've like, necessarily it... heard that, but was that to disambiguate from the Contra dancers? Because <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I the, yeah, I've never heard them referred to that way. I assume the contras will be judged correct, but I think so. If it is, then I got five. I got four. Mm. I feel silly about the trading card one, mm. um, just because I have probably personally paid for so many of those damn cards. <laughs> um, so I I don't super love my performance here because people will take five off the top for missing two game sport ones probably. Mm. Um, and apparently they are right to do so. Mm. Um, so, uh, 
So I don't know. I think I'm getting four on this day. Uh, you know, unless they think Pokemon's just too ubiquitous to... I mean, okay, so like, definitely some of these questions in a kind of general abstract way are a lot harder than the Pokemon question. Yeah. Fire Rum is harder. Um, I expect mm -hmm. you private rundlers to zero that. <laughs> you might, you might have heard. I've talked you about it enough. Talk about that. Um, but Mimi and St. Louis isn't such a gimme for people of our no, generation. Um, you know, cement, I don't know how to judge that one. Contras is pretty easy too. Um, so I, I don't know. There's, there's hope, but, uh, I'm not going to pin my weekend, uh, hopes on it, I guess. Yep. Um, cause I would need to, I think I probably, you know, I'm very close to the green zone. If I were to, uh, win out, I might have a shot at it mm -hmm. in particular. I might need some other people to lose up ahead of me. Um, potentially including you, <laughs> but I don't, I yep. don't want you to lose. Yeah. Um, things will happen the way they happen. I suppose so. At least we're on a decent track to break the 100 TCA. Yeah. So... Um, I'll, I'll take that for what it's worth and, 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 you know, prepare for a good game on Monday. Yep. So that's it for today. Finally, <laughs> um, tune in on Tuesday for the final episode of our post game analysis for the season. Follow us on Twitter at LRNDLG. Let's learn league without the vowels. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.